and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Central. I've been here before. It's me, David Campbell. Happy to have you. Yeah, settle down. Get a cup of tea. You know, a wee biscuit. You know, and you can listen to us taking you through the week that was in the world of professional wrestling. I'm joined by by two great men. And you may think, this man sounds in a happy mood. Well, I'm wheeling and dealing right now. One show you can check out in this network is Saturday Draft Live. We have a, a new season coming up. Everyone's going into teams. And, you know, I've had very good conversations with both these men. First up is the co-host of that very show. It is Mr. David Hockney. Dave, pleasure, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show this week. Always a pleasure to be doing shows with you, Goat. Thank you. Thank you for that. See how civil this is. See how civil I can be, people. And I'm joined also <laughs> by a man, you may think he's a rival, um, but I don't think I've ever said anything about him personally. Um, he's a man I respect, have the utmost respect for, Mr. Grant McRobbie. Grant, how are you? I'm good, thank you, David. And, you know, breaking the kayfabe barrier, we're actually being civil for a change rather than firing <laughs> shots at each other out of the draft. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Grant, ever since the Listeners League came along, like you've become my number two rival uh, in the draft this season. <laughs> Don't forget, there's other shows you can check out here. We have ESSR Feature, um, Drew One Year On, a great show just came out covering uh, the last year of Drew McIntyre's run in the main event in WWE. A really, really good show hosted uh, by David Hockney himself, uh, so mm-hmm. go and check out that one. Um, like I said, Saturday Draft Live, you've got East Meets West uh, with Grant and Scott. They're covering all the things Japanese wrestling. And go on YouTube, uh, you've got Quiz Showdown there, new episode coming out this weekend. You have The Conspiracy Theory, new episode coming out when I get angry enough. Uh, and you have the Book It, the, we have just recorded the Book It semi-finals. Um, so if you want to check them out, stay tuned. They will be coming very soon. Two good matches heading your way. But we're going to get into the news today and we have a really big story uh, to start us off, um, it's been revealed that WWE Network in the US is over as we know it. Um, WWE have signed a deal with NBC Universal. Uh, the WWE Network will now become a part of their Peacock service. So, what does this mean for the consumer? Um, it basically means your cost has gone down to four ninety nine per month uh, to keep WWE Network as part of Peacock Premium. Um, however, that will be with ads if you want to go ad free. It is back to that nine ninety nine slogan they used to love back in the day uh, when the network first launched. Um, the deal, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, um, is valued at more than one billion US dollars over the next five years. Um, Dave, I'm going to come to you on this one first. Just hearing this news, what is your immediate reaction uh, with regards to the Peacock deal? Well, it sort of made me think, you know, first things first, you know, think about, you know, how does that affect you and your position? But Because we're over here in the UK. But as I read more into this deal, I thought, oh my God, is, is WWE Network shutting down, you know, across all network distributors? But apparently it doesn't affect us here in the UK. So nothing really changes from our perspective. But to know that, you know, another streaming service has bought it up for that much money over the course of five years is going to definitely change the way, you know, you know, I think it's just the, the streaming service market just got a little bit more competitive. I, and as it has done, Dave, as it has done, and you know, Grant, Dave brings up an interesting point. You as a consumer, like the main thing you're concerned with is like making sure you're getting bang for your buck, making sure that doesn't go anywhere. 
um, the same content even for the US fans will still be available just encapsulated you know you're getting more for your money I believe The Office is going on that service Modern Family it was announced today will be going on to that service as well so for the consumers in the US you've got to view this as a, a very good thing that's a huge one for them I mean I think even Kevin Owens made a tweet himself it's like Kevin Owens and Dwight Schrute on the same network you, you gotta love it <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's mental what they've done with it I think the scariest thing I saw was someone pointed out that between the Fox deal this and the USA network all three deals together are worth over 600 million a year without even having to sell a ticket it's mental. mental yeah it's crazy and it leads in you have so many other discussions about them scaling down the, the house show circuit because it's not making as much money you know and they've got all of these the, these things that you know it makes sense that way but Dave brought up um, the argument you know about the streaming services looking to stock up and I think this does come right back to the streaming war which if you've seen my other work I've been talking about this for a couple of years that you know these companies NBC Universal you look at Warner Brothers you look at Netflix you know they're trying to stock up as much IP as possible and sometimes I know we live in our own little bubble of wrestling but Dave the WWE you know in terms of brand recognition it's one of the biggest IPs on the planet Mm -hmm. yeah that goes without saying you know it's 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 up there along with all their all-star sports including like American football baseball basketball but all of those could be projected on networks such as ESPN Fox and they've had deals for years and such um but I think now more than ever, you know, because we're still in the middle of this worldwide pandemic, you know, still combating COVID-19 despite a, vac- a vaccine being rolled out. So streaming services will have been in such high demand this past year. So it's no surprise that, you know, you know, being in a digital age, you know, we're capitalizing on not just like, uh, you know, using all this technology to our advantage, you know, to sort of keep the world turning. But, you know, people are turning to streaming services now for their for a source of entertainment because sports aren't being played uh tv shows have been cancelled and you know when you think about streaming services such as like disney plus you know they've just launched a whole new array of marvel content that's coming out that'll keep people entertained for better part of you know a couple of years so i think having peacock you know investing investing in wwe product it's, it's actually a pretty smart move on their part because I, th- yeah, I imagine a lot of wrestling fans are going to try and, you know, look back through the WWE archives and keep themselves entertained with past events and past pay-per-views. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a smart deal for WWE obviously getting the money to become part of that bigger service, you know, and they'll, they'll be getting a good share of the cut. The numbers speak for themselves. But in terms of Peacock, I think it's also a really good deal because they're now getting a guaranteed cult following. And that's essentially what WWE Network subscribers are. You know, if they're subscribing to the network, they're there for every pay-per-view. They're there for all the content. They're there for the last ride documentary, stuff like that. Peacock without that might not have stood in its own because, Dave, you're right, there's success stories. Like I heard, I was reading stories back when the pandemic hit. Disney Plus was one of the only things that was keeping Disney from going under. You know, and that was a company that made how many billion of billions of dollars off of Avengers only like the year yeah. previous. You know, it was it was absolutely mental to look at it that way. But Grant, I, I need to go to you for this question. And that how does this affect WWE deals in years to come? Because obviously they have the USA deal for Raw. The USA deal for NXT, as we know now, is still on the card. So that will stay uh, at its current arrangement between going on television and network the next day. SmackDown's over at Fox. But 
could this be an inroad to possibly getting Raw on NBC, which is a bigger network than USA in the next couple of years? I reckon they'll keep an eye on their numbers, see what the viewership figures are with the pay-per-views, and if Raw can sort of like keep itself as a solid, reliable product, if they can see the money in it, they will spend it. They will go for where, where they feel they are guaranteed to get the money. Yeah, well, the problem they have is with Raw, it's not, we'll get into more on Raw later, but it's not exactly been <laughs> showering itself <laughs> in glory. But we'll see, we'll see how this goes. Obviously, like I said, it plays into this larger culture of streaming services taking over. And we've seen big companies like Apple hasn't been doing great in terms of their foray into the streaming. YouTube, for a long time, we're trying to get in there. They started up Cobra Kai, a really good show, but couldn't pull the viewers in. So now they've seemed to have backed out of the streaming war, as it were. So it'll be interesting to see who the next pillar to fall in is this. And WWE will hope that it's not Peacock, uh, who's the next victim of this ruthless war that is going on between the streaming services. Uh, and war was what went down at the Superstar Spectacle. Um, this was a, a WWE Network event. It appears to be what I would call a soft launch of their NXT India brand. Um, you know, it, it's interesting seeing some of the competitors, seeing some of the matches that are on here. Um, I'm just wondering, Grant, did you manage to check out any of this show? Did it catch your interest at all? I'll, I'll be honest, I looked at the spoilers first, saw the card and went, <laughs> nah, this, this isn't for me. It's, it's no catching my my interest uh, I've not, I'll be honest I've not really heard a lot of good things about it either I've heard it's just it's very inconsistent especially with the way some of the characters were portrayed against how they are on the main roster shows at the moment so yeah, that, does, that doesn't help me get and get over it <laughs> fair fair enough man fair enough Dave what about yourself were you sort of in the same boat or did you manage to check out some of the stuff on, I did on this watch, show I did watch some of it yeah particularly that AJ Styles versus Jeet Rama match because mm-hmm. particularly not because of you know necessarily the match itself but it was more the backstage interaction after the match when there was an interview that it was carried out by by Caleb Braxton and AJ said you know oh no I don't, this guy's just a nobody he's uh you know I, I'll just go through this guy without busting a sweat but he actually said at the end of the interview this guy made AJ work like he had to pull out all his best stuff to put him down and Jeet Rama you know he's been with WWE since 2015 so, and he's been on the indies for the best part of, you know, 15, 20 years. So he's a seasoned competitor and it's only just now he's being featured in, in WWE. So that was sort of my sort of main highlight from the show. But it was good also to see guys like, you know, Dilshir Shanky and Giant Zangir teaming with, you know, the High Flyers, Rey Mysterio and Ricochet in that eight-person tag match. And I'm pretty sure that's Ricochet's first victory in, in God knows how long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who who'd have thought it would have taken some absolutely massive men to just get it off for him? But mm. I've heard, I've actually heard good uh, things about Shanky and Zangir. I've heard that you know they have the size, obviously. And the, when I heard they were trained by the great Kali, I was like, oh crap! Yeah, get two Kalis for one now. I always like there's two of them, but apparently they can move a lot better uh, than, than Cali ever could, to be honest with you. But we'll run through the cards as it stands. Uh, Finn Balor, NXT champion, uh, got a win over Guru Raj. This is why I think this is significant, actually. Grant, is this proof that the NXT bubble and the WWE bubble aren't necessarily mutually exclusive and we could perhaps see some NXT talent in the Royal Rumble uh, this Sunday? Aye, I think they've given some hints at that and even a tweet that you pointed out where Bailey was at NXT 
mm. um, you know, with that Dusty Classic stuff, which had us speculating uh, in the group chat, you know, is, is Bailey going to appear in the Dusty Classic for the women? She didn't, but it clearly shows that the bubble isn't that exclusive anymore. Totally, totally, and I think that's that's an interesting hint there we need to look at. Dave, you pointed it out, the baby faces beat the heels in that big eight-man mm-hmm. tag match, and Grant, you were alluding to it, Nakamura on the, the heel team there. I think that, you know, this plays into what we're speculating. Pardon me, this is more of a house show sort of thing, you know, yeah. than anything else uh, that actually is canon. Styles beats Rama, as you would expect. Um, we had the women's tag match, Charlotte Flair, and Serena Sandu uh, defeated Bailey and Natalia. Um, interesting that in both matches featuring tag team champions, neither of their tag team partners was present. Uh, we had that with Ziggler and the eight-man tag, <laughs> and we have it with Charlotte here. Just a, just interesting, you know, not necessarily being critical. And then uh, we had McIntyre <laughs> and uh, Ryan Gallagher's favourite tag team and mine, and Share, uh, defeated the returning Jinder Mahal and the Bollywood Boys. Dave, I need to ask you because, you know, your, your legacy, we'll call it a legacy at this point, you and Jinder, you know, the odd couple. Of the mm, yeah, like, definitely. How, how I have a, I have a side, I have a signed photograph of him in my flat. <laughs> I love that. How did you <laughs> feel about the return of gender alongside his boys uh, in this one? You know what? It felt a bit weird because you know I've not seen the three of them together since. I don't know, maybe 2017, 2018, perhaps. So it's, and, and obviously, Jinder has been out for quite a long time, given he's had been having quite a few knee injuries that he's had to deal with. But I mean, he's come back, and obviously to promote this uh, this Indian expansion of NXT, and it seems like he's going to be taking up more of a, a mentor type role, you know, towards this upcoming talent. You know, because that's him been a part of WWE for. 10 years now you know he started out in fcw he joined smackdown in 2011 uh and surprisingly he became wwe champion like even to this day it's still a head scratcher it's interesting and i'll ask you grant i'll ask you the same thing like this is the return of jinder mahal we've seen him sort of dip and dive since his wwe title run where would you what role do you want to see jinder mahal playing wwe do you think he has what it takes to be a top heel on a main brand a mid-card heel on a main brand is his place launching this nxt india like what do you think i think definitely he's he's got a solid mid-card behavior and even even mid-card face when you look at back like when he was three-man band or what you know he was just able to cut loose um like he's he's not necessarily the worst wrestler I've ever seen he's not the best either but he's, reli- he's reliable and it will be interesting to see sort of if they bring him back into the fold in the main roster now that he's definitely exposed the injury that had him out for so long yeah yeah and he was meant to the rumours were rife that he was going to go into a feud with Drew um, you know but the injury sort of hampered like a full on WWE title feud between the two of them um, I wouldn't have mind seeing that because of the history between the two of them um, but I know there's people who would not have been. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, it'd be like a, it'd be like a Roman J feud, you know. They've got that past connection, you know, whether it's through uh, bloodlines or it's through a, a former stable. Like, yeah. I mean, it would make for an interesting story. But is the title going to change hands? <laughs> no. <laughs> we said that though um, about Randy like, Orton yes so, so who's to say Dave who's to say mm. um, and also who's to say who will be 
uh, in the Royal Rumble match. The big pay-per-view, our favourite time of the year, it happens this Sunday. But the Royal Rumble isn't the only thing that's returning. Um, on January 30th, which is Saturday night over in the States, we'll see the return of Backstage. Um, to the Fox Network, uh, Renee Paquette, as she's known now, uh, mm-hmm. formerly Renee Young, will be back hosting the show uh, alongside um, Paige and Booker T. Uh, they'll be on there. And not no announcement on CM Punk, which I will get to in a minute. <laughs> we will get to in a minute because I, I have some thoughts. Um, but the main purpose of back, uh, backstage and something that's going to be happening on backstage is that the number 30 entrant for the men's rumble will be announced and the numbers one and two entrants in the women's rumble will be announced on that night um grant i need to ask you this like what do you think of this move by wwe to make these announcements on backstage rather than leave them as a surprise for the night See, I hate them taking away the surprise element and to me they have to make them some pretty damn good announcements mm. to make it worth spoiling the surprise. Uh, like Ross, Ross's article that he's put up on the on the ESSR website, our relationship yeah. with that number 30 does make some good points, you know, that it's always been sort of like we always have that high regard thinking, oh, it'll be something big and it never is. It's never anything we always think <laughs> Was it not yeah. a, f- a few years back? They, uh, they alleged we're all hoping for Daniel Bryan and what did we get? Ray fucking Mysterio. My <laughs> God, did he did he get booed to hell for no reason just because he showed up? Because mm. it was just because he wasn't Daniel Bryan. Um, you know, like that was that was the purely the reason here. Um, but Dave, I'm going to ask you um, a question um, with regards to. I'm going to quote from the end of Ross's article here. Um, he says. When you really think about it, would Daniel Bryan be number 30 and getting eliminated by Batista really have saved the Royal Rumble in 2014? No. Does it mean WrestleMania will be bad? No. We have seen in recent years that the Rumble is just the start of a long and winding road to WrestleMania. So maybe don't lose your mind when number 30 in 2021 doesn't turn out to be Jay White. Uh, does, <laughs> does he have a point here? He does actually, yes. Because... You know, we, we like the anticipation of the number 30 and we always like to have surprises in the Rumble. I mean, who could have ever predicted that Edge would come out at number 21 in last year's Rumble? Like, that was a genuinely shocking surprise. But the number 30 is obviously the most coveted spot in the Rumble. And there, Ross also mentioned in his article, I think it was about five of the last six between 1999 uh, and 2005 were determined before the Rumble started. Uh, but ever since then, you know, it's sort of just been either a random draw or it's been a, a genuine surprise. Uh, but yeah, I think people have this this inkling of jumping to conclusions. Like, if, because the number 30 isn't what they expected, they think, oh, WrestleMania's ruined now. Like, uh, 2017, you know, we were all expecting an NXT call-up, like maybe Finn Balor or Samoa Joe, but instead we got a Samoan whose real name is Joe <laughs> in the form of uh, Roman Reigns. And everybody just thought, no. But it was the sake of, it was, I think it was for the sake of, you know, making sure the winner didn't get booed at the end when Randy Orton threw him out. But yeah, Ross made some excellent points in, in those articles. And I think it sort of maybe quells people's hopes. Maybe... It's so that they don't feel disappointed on the night. You know, think, oh, it's, it's Jay White, it's Jay White, it's Jay White. And then someone else comes out and they're like, oh, maybe maybe that's just, maybe that's the reason they're doing it. It'll be interesting. I think there's one or two reasons, like Grant was getting there, that maybe it might be to draw viewers in if it's a headline announcement, you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, given. Um, or, like you say, Dave, it could be to sort of temper those expectations. I think it's telling the 
order though that they gave it in like it's number 30 in the men's so could number one or two be exciting in the men's um and then vice versa could number 30 be exciting in the women's because they're announcing one and two can i make a can i make a prediction for who might be number one and number two in the women's rumble absolutely bailey and bianca oh don't say that (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, they, those two have been going. Those two have been going back and forth with each other uh, for yeah. weeks now. It only makes sense to you know have them start off and then you know have them go the distance. Hope maybe one of them will win. I mean, that yeah, that's, nice. that's that's the one that gives me squeaky bum time. If I see Bailey come out before number twenty, <laughs> I'm getting worried. <laughs> <laughs> Don't because like last last year this draft time, I had Alexa Bliss who got eliminated by Bianca Belair. Uh, when those two started, they both started number one and two and I could just see history repeating itself and if that happens two years in a row I'll go absolutely mental um, I did want to bring this up Grant I'll come to you CM Punk tweeted to a fan that he was self-isolating not because he had Covid but because he was self-isolating for work people assumed that work might have been the return of backstage he has not been announced for the return of backstage comes up every year <laughs> is there a possibility <laughs> CM Punk is entering the Royal Rumble match this Sunday. I, I, I didn't see it. I think we're more likely to see Marty Scurll up here. <laughs> the villain. Right, there's talk. There's been talk of that because he's out of Ring of Honor now. We don't know what he's doing. He's been off the quiet, and Could WWE be. are willing to take punts on controversial figures. So, yeah, could be. So you're saying Marty Scurll over CM Punk? Which where would you put Jay White in that equation? They better not fucking appear. <laughs> <laughs> no switchblade for you. <laughs> no. Stay in Japan, Jay. At least, at least not five years in Japan before you come, come to the Fed. Fair enough. Dave, same question. Over or under 50% that CM Punk appears in the Royal Rumble match? Under. Like, okay. you know, it, it, Punk's usually not one to mince his words. And if he says he's not doing something, more likely than not, he's not doing something. But. I mean, I have to go back to Edge's example because, you know, he tweeted a Instagram photo before the Rumble of him, of his wrestling boots. And, you know, maybe it got people talking, but you thought, no, no, he's he's physically unable to compete. And then yeah. when you later find out in his documentary that he had triple fusion neck surgery and he comes mm. out, out of literally like out of nowhere, you know, everybody loses their minds. So, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, likely, but it wasn't impossible either. I'm I'm getting more low-key excited about it because I think that this would be the right time for CM Punk to do business with WWE again. And I think this would be the right time for WWE to do business with CM Punk again because we've been tossing and turning over challengers for McIntyre at Mania. Keith Lee, Goldberg, did I say it? Brock Lesnar. Lesnar. Edge. Edge. None of them, to me, have made complete sense. Punk probably would make sense to me. In what way? Drew McIntyre, sort of chosen one, company man. Punk coming in, says you're nothing, you know, but uh, the big guy who they've always wanted. You know, you represent everything that's wrong with this company. Pretty much what Punk was before he left. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You see, he's the the new corporate champion, whereas... CM Punk's a man of the people and I'm the best in the world. I could see it. I could honestly, I could see, I can write it right now, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> my feelings that strong on it, but we'll see. Backstage does return Saturday night. Um, Grant, we're missing something. 
missing something? I can't put my finger on it. Are we, are we missing a rascal? Like, what's what's going on there? What's happening? <laughs> one one Trey Miguel who's just uh, resurfaced again after not knowing where he was going to be going, and he's back in impact. He's just yeah. reappeared out of nowhere. <laughs> So what's the deal with that? Because like obviously, I like Impact Wrestling whenever I can pop in, but mostly on YouTube, to be honest with you, uh, watching clips on there. I enjoy watching clips of the women's division particularly. I'm a big fan of Rosemary um, and all that spooky stuff that they're doing over there. I'm a big fan. Um, but why did he not go to NXT with his with his two pals? Why is he not a member of MSK over there? See, I'm not exactly sure, but I know that he's been quite outspoken on his views about different companies in the past, and I wonder if that's maybe tied into it, that he's kind of being like, well, yeah, they can go, I'm happy for them, but this isn't the place for me, he doesn't feel. Um, I know he was quite vocal around about the time of the whole ACH Jordan Miles mm. situation when that happened. And I wonder if seeing all that maybe put a bit of a sour taste in his mouth. That's just pure speculation on my part. Um, yeah. But seeing him on a run on his own will be interesting. <laughs> and that is the thing, like, Dave, I think we're so used these days to seeing a lot of maybe career tag teams out there. But this is this is just a reminder, you know, wrestling's a business. And if you don't think it's the right business decision, you know, there's no point in you following on with your pals, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. know, maybe, you know, he had some input that himself and maybe... NXT and the, the higher-ups there probably thought, well, I mean, if he's being very outspoken on a matter that's happened on our show, it might be a bit of a, a risky investment, you know, because you could have fans, you know, getting their say in as well, and it would just create unnecessary controversy. So he's a bit of a, uh, what, what's the word, like a, a lightning rod for, you know, talking mm. about stuff that, you know, the wrestling business doesn't normally like to talk about, you know, they sort of like to stay in their own little bubble. Now, fair play in mm. some, some companies who do like to acknowledge real-world events. Like in this week, uh, Drew actually acknowledged the fact that he had a, a COVID-19 diagnosis and he just uh, he just returned. So I mean, I mean it, it took them bloody long enough, to be honest with you, Dave. So, uh, I you mean, know, it's, like... it's, it's one of those rare occurrences <laughs> where WWE acknowledges what's going on in the real world. and it's. Uh, but yeah, getting back to the point about the, the controversy, I think the, the last thing people need right now is just a whole load of controversy when they're just trying to keep the ship afloat amidst, you know, not having fans in the arena, trying to, you know, be on the, the road to WrestleMania now. And they've got so many big shows to, to try and book. Yeah, and it's interesting that he comes back in the main event. Uh, so he appears the mystery tag team partner of champion Rich Swan, Willie Mack and uh, Tommy Dreamer. The innovator of violence, fantastic, you know, is he him still kicking a ball? <laughs> and they were facing off against the TNA champ, Moose, uh, Chris Bay, Sammy Callahan, and Ken Shamrock. So it's good he's rocking a new look. Good to see him in that high position in the company. You know what I mean? So it looks like they'll give it a good go with him as a single star. Um, and MSK, obviously, good debut over in NXT. So it seems like everyone's happy, you know, and everyone seems to be doing good business for them. So good luck to him. Uh, someone I don't wish good luck to. This story, I might get a bit heated with this one um, because I wasn't <laughs> too happy about what happened. Um, so it's a bit weird uh, <laughs> to run through it. So Ross McLeod sent us in a link to Pink News, which was strange enough. In the, in the chat um, and it said the headline was WWE legend Devon Dudley says he's coming out as gay and appearing on RuPaul's Drag Race and my immediate thought is good for him you know like we've seen people come out in the wrestling before like the uh, Dad and Young was a high profile case uh, Sonya Deville uh, Pat Patterson in Legends House you know stuff like that genuine stuff I'm like good for him support Devon you know good guy turns out 
that he said this just to try and, from what I can see, get attention. From what I can see, it was a mm. some sort of joke. From what I can see, it was to get one over the dirt sheets, as he claims. I have thoughts on this. Dave, what, mm. what do you think? You know what I'm hearing echoes of right now? I'm hearing echoes of Billy and Chuck back in 2003, mm. where they had that, that gay wedding, or the supposed gay wedding, but then they revealed it was all just a ruse. Mm. Like, that, that's the kind of impression I'm getting here in this story now. Like, why would you, why would you say something like that just to get one over on somebody? Because LGBT representation has become very much normalized these days. You know, Camino, say compared to like 20 odd years ago when it was often frowned upon. And mm. it's, a, it's, it's a big part of culture and society these days. But having to use it, as sort of in like a, a prank format, it's, it's pretty pretty poor taste. Grant? I think I can see going for the dirt sheets, but I think the topic and choice was in poor taste because you know, LGBT is a, and it's, it's a lot more progressive now than what it ever was. But still, something like that can really set them back. It can give bad publicity and it can really look poor. So I feel Devon has... I felt, you know, fair enough if you want to go after the dirt sheets for, you know, reporting on everything, but it could have done a different way. It could have done a different topic that would have still been gotten the same effect without being potentially offensive. Like, he could have claimed anything. You know, he could have claimed that, you know, he had a forked penis, you know, that, um, (laughs) like, he shat urine or something like that. I don't know. Like, there there were so many (laughs) things that he could have said to catch the dirt sheets' attention. I'm not going to come on this podcast and say that Devon Dudley is homophobic, far from it. What I will say to you, wait, as if he was listening, I think his comments were irresponsible. Um, to be honest with you, I think that in sports specifically, um, coming out is still very much uh, a taboo subject. Mm. Um, you look at football, there's no players in the Premier League that have come out as gay. And statistically speaking, that's improbable you know that none of them would be um so there is still a stigma about it and i do believe with devon making these comments and making this a joke that he does dismiss that for one but he also helps to embellish a culture you know that would see it as a joke mm-hmm. that wouldn't take it yeah. seriously that wouldn't necessarily be the most embracing yeah those performers you know even in america nowadays you know there's still there's still a lot of like places in america that aren't that tolerant of lgbt uh lgbt people i i even remember on a uh, i was on a flight once from boston to new orleans and i was sitting next to this guy in the plane and funnily enough the in-flight tv service was showing monday night raw Mm -hmm. and a breeze angle was in a tag team match and I remember I was just watching it and then this guy who was sitting next to me sitting next to me say, Oh look at those two, there are a couple of F words and stuff and I'm yeah. thinking, I I just sort of looked at him and I was like, Seriously? Like Yeah. And it comes into the political climate as well, Dave. You know, mm-hmm. that we've just seen the outgoing of a president who made very many people in the LGBTQ plus community feel unwanted, feel unwelcome and feel unsafe, you know, in the country of their birth. Mm-hmm. You look at the, the legislation he brought in about 
banning trans people from serving in the US military. You know, he was nothing if not a bigot, and I want to apologise for having that view. Um, and so for Devon to do this right now, when that country is sort of trying to collectively heal from that experience, and will still have to deal with that in the years to come, because the right wing ain't going anywhere, you know, and those with those views won't be going anywhere. I, I do think it's a bit irresponsible, but I don't want to harp on about it. Um, I want to move on to something slightly more cheery um, that we may or may not be able to see come WrestleMania, and that is one John Cena. Speculation <laughs> is mounting that John Cena will make his return to the WWE at WrestleMania. It's been a year since we've seen the Firefly Funhouse match <laughs> that saw the disappearance of John Cena. We've seen Cena in the NWO, among many other things. I'm just going to come to you because we don't know too much about this other than that he will probably be there and he'll probably be competing. Grant, dream match scenario for Mr. Cena come Mania. Oh, God. Um, if you're going to make him a heel, that, I, I'll be honest, I'm not really sure because I just thought he was done after last year, so I never even envisaged and Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I honestly, it's not something like, even when the people say that seen as a maybe, I'm like, I can't even think conclusively looking at anyone in the roster who would be good other than possibly if Keith Lee isn't in the main event against Drew yeah. for the belt, I wouldn't say no to seeing Cena against Keith Lee. Oh my God, mm. Grant. Don't do these things to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounds good. Dave, what do you think? See, I, I like Grant's suggestion of Keith Lee, but if I was to offer an alternative, one name that popped into my head straight away was Bobby Lashley. Because one of Lashley's last matches in his first run back in 2005 to 2007, he actually faced John Cena for the WWE Championship at the Great American Bash. And afterwards, I think that's when Lashley got his shoulder injury and then he never returned. So I reckon, you know, if they drew on that past interaction, I reckon, you know, there could be a good bit of storytelling to be told. And Lashley could say, that defeat has haunted me for so many years. I want my retribution against you. And he could have MVP yeah. in his corner as well. He have the full heart business in his corner. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Um, I think it's interesting because how is he going to come back? Because you need to play into that story. Where has he been? You know, in the kayfabe of wrestling, what happened after the, the Funhouse match? You know, that needs to be explained. Uh, if you're going to keep the mythos of the, the Fiend going, you need to be explaining that. I'll tell you this much, if Cena's coming back as a heel, there's one place for a heel Cena, and that's the main event. Out of all the names we've listed and all the part-timers we've listed, Drew versus a heel Cena and beating a heel Cena at Mania Ooh. sounds pretty damn good to me. Ooh, sounds I like that. Pretty, that's, that. It would be a good match because we know both guys can wrestle and I won't hear anything other than that Cena's a good wrestler <laughs> because he had a good he had two good matches with the great Cali. Cena is a good wrestler. <laughs> one, one, good, one, good, one good match at Extreme Rules 2007. The Saturday night, you know, the, the, Saturday, the Saturday night's main event wasn't too bad, you know, as well, but it was more of a squash than the other one. Um, at least you know what, I don't, think, I don't think Drew and Cena have actually faced each other one-on-one -on -one before. Yeah. It would be fresh. They have, they have competed in multi-person matches before, but never one-on-one. -on -one. It would be a fresh match, and I think then, because you suggested Lashley, I'd rather, if he, if another certain part-time was to come back, I would put Lashley with um, a certain beast, a certain yeah. beast in yeah. 
given what he wants. You know what I mean? He's been wanting that since he returned. That's part of the reason he came back to WWE. Um, so I think I think you're right, Grant. I think that would be a that'd be a cracking one as well. But leave your thoughts and hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Who should Cena face if he's to come back at WrestleMania? I think I've never been more excited for news that John Cena's coming back, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's why I put it in the docket. Um, Grant, Brexit's a thing. Um, affecting certain wrestlers. Why don't you let us know what's going on there? So, seen it on Twitter literally just today, and it was Jordan Grace uh, said that due to sort of the Brexit rules affecting VAT and that, she is no longer shipping to the UK. Mm. Um, the, the long story short seems to be something to do with they have to get VAT numbers, and um, because of all that, it's going to cause probably extra costs. Uh, the, the paperwork sounds a headache. So my 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 concern there is, will other American or even because apparently the tax thing is also hitting us within Europe as well. We hear about different places not shipping to the UK at the moment. Is that going to affect the business of getting merch from abroad? Because a lot of wrestlers I like, you don't have European stores. You have to go to the likes of Pro Wrestling Tees and stuff like that to get their stuff from the States. So yep. is this is this going to make the cost so prohibitively expensive that it puts us off? Um, all because our government just couldn't pull their finger out their arses and get it together. Mm. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, this isn't just going to affect wrestling t-shirts, you know, it's a much wider thing than that. It also affects travel. You know, will UK wrestlers be able to effectively travel now to the States and to Europe to work the way they used to? Um, Will wrestlers be able to come into the UK and work the way they used to when the pandemic's over? We had, I had a really good laugh actually, a very good laugh at Roger Daltrey, of all people, <laughs> um, today of The Who. Um, he voted Brexit, was very prominent, a, a very prominent voice for Brexit. In the last few days it's came out headlines, Brexiteer Roger Daltrey criticises restrictions for musicians touring Europe. Well, what the fuck did you think was going to happen, Roger? <laughs> you know? Yeah, Roger. Did you think they were going to pop up with your guitar play Bab O'Reilly and there was going to be no tariffs or anything like that? You know what I mean? Like, like what was the plan? It's almost as if, like, trade union experts, CEOs, and a handful of politicians were screaming from the rooftops that this was a bad idea for four years straight. Uh-huh. Yeah. And if you think, if you think, I don't know about you guys, but thinking over shows that you've been to in the last several years, like when I first went back to shows after not going for years, the thing that brought me back was, oh, funny enough, like international draws, the Young yeah. Bucks and Kenny Omega at Discovery mm-hmm. Wrestling back in 2017. Would I be able to get that now? You might do. I mean, I think the interaction between the UK and the US might still be okay because you get some British wrestlers over in America right now, like Grizzle Jung Vets are part of Full Sail NXT at the minute. I think the, the biggest problem is going to be for European competitors, you know, because you've got promotions uh, all across Europe. But if they're traveling between the UK, it might cause some issues because you can't... The, I think the, the travel restrictions are for UK residents going to the EU. You can stay in the EU for up to, uh, I think it's three months or 30 days. I can't remember which one, but it was you can stay up to a certain length of time without a visa any, any time longer and you have to apply for a, a working visa. Because as part of the EU, you know, we had freedom of movement and it made things so much easier. See, so you say at the start of that day, you make good points there, but at the start of that, you said it might not affect the UK US relationship as much. But you've got to remember our, our existing relationship relied upon 
the US's relationship with the EU as a whole, not necessarily the UK. So now we need to renegotiate all of that, you know, with the United States. And you've now got an incoming president who was very vocally against Brexit. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you go back and listen to what Biden was saying, it wasn't favourable. And now he's in power negotiating those deals mm. and whether you blame Biden or not for it he's not going to you know mince his words he's not going to give us exactly what we're wanting he likes you know, to but... he, he likes to reference the fact that he has Irish roots as well like I think he's yeah. been I think he's talked about being in favour of a united Ireland at some point yeah that, that's a topic I don't want to get into oh yeah yeah <laughs> no, 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 let's divert from that yeah anyway anyway back to the wrestling anyway back to the wrestling <laughs> back to the wrestling but it does it will affect you know, wrestlers and wrestling and when promotions do return, we don't know what sort of market we're going to get with regards to all of this. It wouldn't just be the t-shirts, it'll be travelling of wrestlers, the wrestlers themselves, it'll be the travelling of promotions, it'll be companies like WWE. How easy is it going to be for them to get over here and do the live events again? It's going to be business as usual. AEW is going to be talking about coming over. Is this going to affect their want to come over and how many shows they're going to do? Mm-hmm. Brexit's going to change all of that drastically. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens from my point of view anyway I think you know it's something to very much keep an eye on but what I would like to talk about now is the week that was in our four major shows and we are going to start with NXT and the Dusty Classic is ongoing on NXT shocking opening match in the night Dave Gargano and Theory highly Mm. tipped as the way losing the first round to Kushida and Leon Ruff. What did you think of that? Um, I was actually quite intrigued about this one because the way and Kushida have sort of been feuding with each other, it looked like, you know, Kushida could be Gargano's next challenger. Uh, so having them in the first round is ma- makes for good storytelling. And I think, you know, Gargano and The Way have had a bit of a one-up on Kushida lately. So having him and Ruff, you know, win that first round match, I think it helps them more, you know, to sort of put them on level playing fields. Gargano and The Way, you know, they've got a good program going and having them lose in the first round gives them more of a reason to just hit back at Kushida even harder. Plus it also adds into the sort of face heel uh, sort of bracketing. And I know that's not the case for the, the, the full bracket, but having a face team going up against Grizzled Young Vets, who also made it past Everrise. I think it makes more sense for them to go against each other because it will boost Grizzle Jung Vets while also giving Kushida some momentum against Johnny Gargano. Yeah, Grant, I know you're a huge fan of Kushida, aren't you? Aye, absolutely massive fan of him. I never felt that they've used him quite efficiently since he made the transition from Japan. I mean, he was pretty much their best junior heavyweight for a long, long time. So this is where I, I see Kushida's had a bit of fire like they teased a bit of heel behaviour from him for a while but bringing him in as a face against Gargano I'm putting my money on it Gargano is going to cost Kushida and Ruff the round against Grizzled Young Vets and it's going to set the programme for Kushida to go up against Gargano for that North American belt coming the next takeover Yeah it's interesting and I I don't think that's a bad shout Dave all I would Mm. ask is where does Leon Ruff go from here? Like, good victory over Gargano, North American title run. Victory in this round, I agree with Grant, probably going to get costly in the tournament. Where does he play into things? I'm not entirely sure, to be honest, because Leon Ruff, and I hate to say it, he feels more like a flash in the pan, you know, a bit of a, a one-hit wonder, because nobody, I don't think a lot, well, not at least not a lot of people took him seriously as North American champion. Like, the guy was like... 
You know, he almost scraped by this by the skin of his teeth. You know, he is very competitive. He is, you know, very talented in the ring. It's just, just people just didn't really sort of get behind him because they never really thought, you know, he's just he's still getting fluky wins despite all his talent. Mm. And I reckon, I think the one way he could redeem himself is maybe if he turns heel on Kushida and ends up joining the way. But I honestly don't see any other path for him at this stage. Otherwise, he's just going to get lost in the shuffle. It'll be interesting to see how things go. Um, later in the show, you know, we did have um, another Men's Dusty Classic match, Imperium against Lucha House Party. Lucha House Party picking up the win. But what is interesting about this one, Dave, is that Alexander Wolfe, appeared mm. on the stage to greet his um, stable mates as they walked to the back in shame. What does this mean? That's my question to you. What Ooh. does this mean, Dave? Maybe it's a reinvigoration of Imperium because ever since obviously COVID hit, Imperium's kind of been split. You know, Walter and Wolf were in the UK whilst uh, Eichner and Bartel were in full sale. But now that Alexander Wolf, you know, he's, he's flown over to the States, he's done his quarantine and now that he seems to be part of Full Sail, I think this is a much needed revival for Imperium because Walter on his own, I think he carries himself brilliantly as NXT UK champion. Uh, he doesn't need the Imperium guys to back him up because the guy's like a blooming wrecking machine. Uh, but I think the, the, the three lower tier guys like Wolf, Eichner and Bartel, I think the three of them need to be more active as a stable. You know, they could go up against... Uh, you know, they could have a six-man tag against Legado del Fantasma. I'm just fantasy booking at this point. But yeah, yeah. It, Imperium's kind of just fallen flat since losing the, the tag titles to Breeze Angle. And it's... Uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what Wolf, what role Wolf's going to play in this going forward. Because I never expected Lucha House Party to defeat Imperium in the first round. They seem to be treated a lot better in NXT than the main roster to Lucha House Party. I think they should just mm. stay down there and out of Vince's <laughs> grasp. Grant, Dave's saying about water doesn't need Imperium. To me, this signals that the Ring General will be coming to American shores sooner rather than later. Is that what you got from this? That's where my money's on. I reckon they're going to have a wee kind of crisis of confidence in the States. And the one thing that's going to reinvigorate them is bringing Volter back to the fold. Um, the one thing I'd love to see WWE do is introduce another member to Imperium um, mm. because of them being ring camp back in the day and they used to have Timothy Thatcher in their midst mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I would love I would love seeing that incarnation coming back into the fold but wasn't uh, wasn't there a, like a report that said Walter didn't want to travel to the US because uh, he, he wasn't a fan of you know moving away you know and changing his whole life from from the UK yeah. to Europe Yes, but he has competed in the US before. Yeah, so I like as, as one-off appearances here and there. Like, you know, he did Survivor Series, he did take over New York in 2019 where he beat Pete yep. Dunn. Yep. Yeah, so but that's the thing. Like, so could, I'm not saying he's going to stay here, but I think they could convince him. You know, and people's opinion changes. you got to remember that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as yeah. if the UK is, is a great place, you know, to be based <laughs> anymore. Um, but, 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 like, let's think about his competition there. I mean, there was there was a match that was meant to happen at TakeOver UK, but also that got scrapped. And I think it's a match that we would have all looked quite f- forward to, and that was going to be Volter with Balor. Yeah. Mm. The plan, that, made that, the plan made event for TakeOver Dublin, apparently. And, you know, I think that's something we will see eventually. 
You know what I mean? I think that's what they need to do. But my money, I just, NXT UK is a good brand. You know, it puts on some good matches. There's some good workers in it. I think it's been hindered by Waller at this point because there's no one on that roster who has been built enough to feasibly be able to beat Walter. The only person who could has been beat by him. That was Dragunov. Yeah, and they seem to be building him back up again slightly. You know, there's been hints that if anyone could do it, it is Dragunov. I could see him maybe doing it soon, if anything, or I could see Walter vacating it because I think that Walter is too talented a performer too big a presence to stain that brand for too long you know mm. he needs the spotlight he needs to give himself that opportunity and I think he'd be a star in it like one thing you mentioned Bauer there I'd love a triple threat between Bauer Evolter and Karrion Cross. like I, I think that would be some triple threat match you know Walter, so, Walter and Cross, by the way that and I mean you imagine you look at all these, all these different because if you look at what's happening with Walter in the UK is exactly what happened with Pete Dunne mm-hmm. yep. he, he went and done everything he exhausted it all there was as the old quote Alexander looked and wept as there was no more worlds to conquer <laughs> well, you're bringing about culture to it but it's, it's a problem with NXT as a whole because I love most of what Triple H does right look at Walter look at Pete Dunne look at Kayleigh Ray to an extent now Look at Asuka. Look at Offers of Pain. Look at Viking Raiders. He builds up these characters as being unstoppable. And then at the point when they are called up to the main roster and get a few defeats under their belt, that order that's been built up instantly snapped away. You know, and I don't, I, you can blame the main roster all you want, but that's kind of how people have to be booked in wrestling sometimes. They have to be able to take a loss you know, characters, and I don't think he does talents any favours by not putting them in that position where they can lose, you know, because your oh. whole gimmick can't be months or they can't be stopped, you know. And Asuka didn't actually take a loss, remember, hers was injury. Yeah, no, hers was vacated, uh, vacated yeah. Yeah, but that, and that's the thing, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of them moved up from NXT, you know, without really, like, Asuka specifically, you know, as soon as she took that loss to Charlotte at Mania, Mm-hmm. momentum derailed for years you know because mm-hmm. you're still undefeated basically in the main roster as well so it's interesting you know it's something I think will continue to happen because he does have his own style of booking and that comes with his pros and cons as any booker has you know but highlight moment of this show Grant you're a, a wrestling purist um, can you give me the technical name for the manoeuvre that Casey Catanzaro uh, came out with <laughs> in this show like <laughs> I'm it, honestly, it looked almost like a, like a phoenix splash, but it was a senton at the end of it, though. The way she landed, it was a senton. It was like a, a phoenix corkscrew, corkscrew senton. It was the closest thing I could think of. Yeah, it's mental. It's, it was absolutely crazy. Like, if you haven't watched anything from this show, go and watch the highlight clip of that, because we've seen oh. what Casey Catanzaro can do. You know, we've seen her clips from American Ninja Warrior. We've seen our moments in the Rumble. Very versatile performer, but her and, um, her and Caden Carter picking up a win here against Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez, much due to the interference of NXT Women's Champion Iro Shirai. But a report I wanted to come to, Dave, is that there have been a report that by the end of this tournament, we will see Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro turn teal. Do you think that is a right move? Hmm. I'm not really sure in what capacity they could turn heel unless, you know, like a face tag team actually beats them because... 
from what I can recall from the brackets, they'll be going up against either uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez or uh, two of the, the new signees. I, hold on. Maybe I could just dig the, the brackets out. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, it's kind of hard to imagine that uh, Casey and Caden would turn heel because it's like they've, they've been purely been like babyface characters ever since they started teaming and they're, they're one of the most like legitimate tag teams that NXT has you know aside yeah. from maybe Dakota and Raquel but uh, I couldn't find the brackets unfortunately but no, it's I, all right. I think the, the only point I think they could turn heel is either if they lose to Kai and, and Gonzalez in the semis interesting it'll be interesting to see where that one goes but you mentioned him earlier Grant Timothy Thatcher winning the fight pit against Tommaso Ciampa. Let's talk about the match itself quickly. How amazing is the fight pit as a concept? Oh, it's absolutely... I love it. Ever since that first one when it was Riddle and Thatcher and it was that brutal that Thatcher lost teeth, I was like... The the fight pit has to be done... Not any wrestler can do that. That has to be for the most physically demanding... Mm. Like there's very few I could see that could also do. That. I mean, I could see Volta doing it, Karen Cross doing it, Kyle Riley. People who have that hard strike and hard hitting style would be yeah. really good for it. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see more of it, and I, I don't I want it to be used sparingly as well. At the same time, you know, I, I don't want the other next one for a while. Um, I like Thatcher being in there. Uh, with it every time as well it's a good story to build up a streak particularly within a stipulation mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know so when someone finally beats Thatcher in the fight it's going to mean something but Dave what we did see was you know Thatcher had Champa where he wanted him he could have broken his leg if he could he doesn't parking lot in a exclusive later on Champa confronts him about this uh, and Thatcher says that he didn't break it due to respect mm-hmm. that, uh, Champa then says Spot just opened up in the Dusty Cup. Mm. How I mean, is this it, tag team going to play out? It's certainly going to be interesting because they won their match on 205 Live, even though, you know, we've seen on two occasions now where a competitor over 205 has been competing on that show. Uh, but I'm getting Cesaro and Sheamus vibes, you know, back when they started teaming as a tag team because, you know, Sheamus and Cesaro had that best of seven series and it went to... Uh, it ended up being a draw and then they ended up yeah. tag teaming afterwards you know it, I think it was a very uneasy alliance as it were but it's an alliance that worked and now they're facing Undisputed Era in the in the quarterfinals of the tournament this is going to be quite interesting because I'm not really sure which way that match is going to go because you know you could have Undisputed Era versus Grizzle Jung Vets which sounds amazing when you say it out loud but Champ and Thatcher, you know, they're being a late addition. I think they've now put themselves in a position where they could potentially win the Dusty Cup. Yeah, totally. Because they love giving a Dusty Cup win to those, like, newly put together teams. Mm-hmm. Or you know? those sort of random tag teams that sort of put together, like, you know, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne as the broserweights. You know, they're at first, you know, they're a bit of a random team, but they sort of, by the end of it, they just sort of continue to gel so well together. Yeah. They made it work, and you look at Ballard and Joe as well, you know, mm-hmm. as another example of that. Um, tag teams making it work is a good thing. Um, tag teams turning heel is another. Grant, 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 mate, what's happening with private party? Let me know. <laughs> I don't I don't know, I think anyone knows what's going on with private party. <laughs> like, 
to me, to me, it looked it looked at first like they were they were building up for Matt Hardy to go heel on his own. Yeah. But private in private party would maybe feud with him. Maybe he'd get a new friend to join the heel party. But instead, he seems to have converted them to their ways. But I think that all plays into the whole relationship with Impact. That I, I actually like the fact that it's not like. Impact and AEW both have their mixture of heels on both sides rather than it being a straight divide of well, if you're AEW you're face and if you're Impact you're heel yeah it makes yeah. the dynamic more interesting it is it is a more interesting dynamic and the private party teamed with uh, Mr Hardy this week to beat Top Flight and the Shockmaster uh, in a six man tag team match that's unfair in that side I'm sorry I'm sorry oh that's horrible that is horrible. Your third eye and think he, about bot- what he, botches, he botches one shooting star, which I he know. actually does amazingly, and you end up calling him the Shockmaster. Shame on you. Dave, it's unfair, but I don't make the rules. All right? um, very much ended. Uh, you know, Cassidy uh, used a chair um, to pick up the win here, Hardy distracting the ref. And then we got a shooting star press, funnily enough, from Mark Quinn. <laughs> uh, he didn't botch it. Um, you know, so we're going to see Private Party, I think, one of these tag teams where we talk about how strong AEW's tag team is, uh, tag team division is, sometimes I think that can be to the detriment of certain teams because there's only so many uh, opportunities they can go around. And I think Private Party have sort of, did become lost in the shuffle a wee bit. Mm. So to me, this feels like a new good reinvigoration for them. You know, and should present prevent uh, present them with more opportunities. Should see them go up further and further on the card. And I think a team with Hardy, who is a prominent figure, you know, a legend. I, I think it's safe to call him a legend at this point, Matt Hardy. You know, um, this will be this will be good for them. This will be really, really good for Private Party. And I can see good things happening uh, for those guys over there. We then had um, the big story of the night because it was it was a good dynamite, but a fairly uneventful dynamite as a whole. You know, mm. one thing that was eventful was the, the possible implosion of the inner circle in this main event. Mm. Dave, MGF and Chris Jericho versus Santana and Ortiz versus Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager. And what have you been thinking about? You know, the storyline with the inner circle and MGF. How have you felt it's played out? It's, uh, I worry it's getting a bit too convoluted now because, you know, the, the simple thing would be MJF gets his way into the inner circle and he sort of destroys it within, you know, mm. having his own agenda. But having, you know, the, all six members go against each other, like Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager going up against Private Party, it, it kind of, uh, I mean, I know the sort of division about, you know, how they feel about MJF, but it, it just seems it's getting too far too complex as well. I think, you know, it should have been much easier if they just did a split down the middle. You know, have MGF, Wardlow, uh, uh, oh, sorry, Jericho, MGF, and maybe say one of Santana and Ortiz uh, going up against the other half plus Guevara and Hager. So sort of split the inner circle in two rather than the three pairs. It makes a, a sort of clash for, for and against MJF joining. We need to see where you know everything goes from here. Obviously, the stipulation of this match was that the winner would be announced as you know the Inner Circle's official tag team going forward. You know, mm. so it's it's sort of it's one of those stipulations where it's like, oh, it's friendly. You know, this is all good fun. It's good sportsmanship. But you know, there's something else going on behind the scenes there. Grant, what did you think of the the match itself? What did you think of the action here? There was a lot of talk um, about his own Shockmaster on the night, Mister Jericho. <laughs> Uh, maybe getting a bit, a bit too, a bit too old in the joints for that. Their lying salt, you know. He's came out and denied it, said he'll be fine. But what do you think of the in-ring action with this one? 
actually overall the match was pretty good but I think sometimes I think this is where AEW's a wee bit guilty of trying to go too fast at points and you do get these mistakes that happen I think Jericho was just he's done the move a thousand times probably more yeah. than that and he usually hits it everyone even like Christopher Daniels had a, a dodgy assigned moonsault not too long ago an Arabian moonsault yeah. sorry um, so and these are guys that are both like in their 50s um, top of their game still yeah. Mistake, mistakes happen as me it's, it's just more the fact that some of these mistakes are, are terrifyingly close to landing on your neck and unless you're Kota Ibushi you can't do yeah. that <laughs> exactly and you know exactly. And, you can, and there's every once in a blue moon you know not everybody can perform a shooting star press flawlessly I think yeah. the, to me the, the biggest issue I had with it by the end of it was I get why they've done the whole MGF winning um, the sneaky way I, I'm hoping that this means though that I know, Dave, you think it's maybe going to be a bit convoluted. I actually like the dynamic that it's going that MGF is kind of worming his way in, trying to get into possession. But I like the fact that Proud and Powerful could actually maybe use this to get a chip on their shoulder and be like, wait a minute, we're the one true tag team in this group. Mm. Yeah. And we're, getting, and we're yep. getting, that's what I'm hoping for. Fill the void that, you know, private parties now heal, there's room for another face team. Exactly, and we're not going to have the Lucha Brothers for a while because Pentagon is going to be out for a, a substantial period of time. So that's this true, is a yeah. great. Proud and powerful. powerful, yeah. They've been again falling victim to that sort of tag yeah. team thing. They've had you a know? five. They've had a five star match with best friends in a parking lot. Yeah. yeah, they're really strong. Like I remember them with um, was it Kingston and uh, uh, Impact? Yeah, yeah. They were the new uh, the new incarnation of LAX um, over there. It's um, it's a tough one. You talked you talked Grant there about how the match ended. Handful of trunks on Guevara. Are we seeing Sammy as like the sacrificial lamb here? Do you think he'll be le- the first to leave the inner circle very soon? I, I, th- I think he's going to be the first one to turn and go face. And I think that could be what leads proud and powerful to join him because we've seen Jericho can be quite ruthless. And with MGF in his ear whispering, you know, kind of let him do it. And Hager mm. has hired muscle pretty much. And Wardlow will do whatever as well once he's back. So... To me, I could see them turning on Sammy for perhaps costing them a match or two. And yeah. Proud and Powerful going, nah, we're not standing for this. We're we're with them. Totally, totally. And I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how things play out. But over to SmackDown. Over to the wonderful land of Friday Night SmackDown. It's been a joy watching WWE's ace the creme de la creme of sports entertainment, the Aussie with my thumbs up, with my approval, formerly of the tag team known as the Iconics, Miss Billy Kay, hitting things up on SmackDown. Dave, just take a moment and tell me why Billy Kay is the best thing in sports entertainment right now. You know what? I'm going to be nice uh, about the Billy Kay's character director right now because, you know, she's trying to be part of the the Riot Squad. I mean, her CV gimmick is actually starting to get over a little bit with... Uh, What's that CV, Dave? It's a resume. <laughs> it's, a res- it's, a, it's a fucking resume, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Uh, and here's uh, and here was uh, the reason Miss Blab was because they wanted to make Peyton Royce the big star, but almost uh, unintentionally, Billy Kay's now become... The, the big star and she sort of seems to be moving there and thereabouts between different superstars you know she spent a couple of weeks with the Riot Squad she's obviously been kicked to the curb now but her Bianca Belair impression was pretty much uh, on fleek so uh, I think that's what you, I think that's what you young people say 
<laughs> is that what we say, Dave? <laughs> I didn't know that, but thank you, thank you for for informing me. It was a very good SmackDown, and it has been uh, jam packed for a while. Um, Grant, I know you will appreciate the push that seems to be happening uh, behind the scenes. Daniel Bryan on the writing team. We got Cesaro versus Ziggler this week. Um, and we are seeing this. Uh, I'm going to call it the work rate division of SmackDown. <laughs> we get into our merge has been good, hasn't it? Oh, I mean that's like that's two weeks in a row. Cesaro has been like pretty much the highlight match on SmackDown for actual in-ring action. He's yeah. like, like let's face it, the Swiss Cyborg has always been the unsung hero for work rate in that in that whole roster. The man is unreal in the ring. Yeah, and having Daniel Bryan on creative. You've you can feel the impact. You can see it. And one of my favorite friends put a good thing. Like Daniel Bryan is now almost like the gatekeeper to the upper echelon. Now people have these yeah. great matches with him. Like like Drew Gulak's had it. Cesaro. Um, it's just you know it, it is like any like Nakamura's yeah. sort of like thing in the gauntlet. Bryan was involved in all these. Mm-hmm. He's helping. He's help, he's he's doing the right thing. He is. He's had his huge time being at the top. And I don't get done around. I think Brian could eventually go back to the top again, but he's doing a very good job of yeah. bringing people over, but also by highlighting it through in-ring storytelling rather than promos. Totally. And someone else who got themselves over this week, uh, Dave, Reginald. Reginald. <laughs> the Somali, yeah. As, as Cody Graves called it, suck to Somali, which is the best <laughs> line that man said in a very, very long time. Yeah. In fact, Reginald did used to be a, a member of the Cirque du Soleil troupe, so that's why he can do all this, all of this stuff. Yeah, um, but he he showed himself. He showed himself in glory this week. Yeah, I was uh, I was taken aback, you know, watching that match, like how athletic the guy was. And then this was before I found out he was part of Cirque du Soleil. I'm thinking, holy crap, where's this guy been? Why is he not being featured more? Uh, but he was actually put in a very prominent position, uh, having an intergender match with Sasha Banks. Now, yeah. We on this podcast, you know, we have our own views and opinions about, you know, as individuals, what we think of intergender wrestling. I'm personally indifferent on the matter. I think, you know, as long as it's, I think if I find it entertaining, you know, and it doesn't like cross any boundaries, then, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, I'm all for it. You know, at least, you know, let, let's give it a shot, see how people respond. But it also, it helps further the storyline between Sasha and Carmella in a way. Yeah. I, I, yeah, popped totally. the, I, I popped for the fact that he was given a Mandalorian a hard time to catch him. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? Oh, that's going to be me now. Oh, I can't remember her name in the show. Oh, fuck. Anyway. <laughs> 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 you get training uh, for the showdown. Um, but um, one other thing I wanted to touch on, because we we had progressions of the Mysterio's feud with Corbin and then uh, the sort of Pierce main event where uh, Owens put Reigns through the table. Those stories sort of bubbling along as you'd expect them to. Another funny moment for SmackDown I want to talk about was the obstacle course challenge. <laughs> typical, typical chicken heel stuff, you know. Bailey makes it easy for herself. You know, has to carry Gable smaller. You know, it was, it was just the easier. And then Bianca comes up and, and she has to carry Otis. I, I just thought that was hilarious. Do you guys agree? <laughs> yeah, I think that was definitely the highlight, even though it wasn't a match. But, you know, carrying It wasn't Gable, a match, by the way. Well, it definitely was not a match. Well, Let me comp- be clear okay. on that. I've got to get my terminology <laughs> right here. It was a competition. But I actually saw that what I took the, the most I took away from this was it was a really funny meme 
posted on social media and it was uh, a picture of Bianca carrying Otis and somebody had changed it to have Bianca representing Smackdown and Otis represents WWE so it's like yeah so basically Smackdown is carrying the heavy loads known as WWE it is the truth it is is the truth right now I think and especially like I was indifferent towards this feud between Bailey and Bianca at first but I think Bailey is such a good heel she's so irritating and amazing and I love her so much I'd I'd marry her Um, and Bianca is such a great baby face as well you know it's it's really winning me over now this battle between the two of them. I will say if Bianca eliminates Bailey from the Rumble this Sunday, I will completely change my mind on that. <laughs> and that's all I have to say <laughs> on Friday night SmackDown. Uh, over to you Raw. Know, I'll, uh, I'll reiterate what I said earlier. I think those two will be number one and number two. I can see it. Uh, you've conv- you're convincing me now, which I, I'm, I'm reacting less negatively to because I can still see Bailey winning from that spot, but I'll see how things you, go. You, you'll hear my final thoughts on Saturday, on Saturday Draft Live. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have that one, do you? Oh, shit. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we go to Monday Night Raw. Grant McIntyre and Goldberg face off. Miz is teasing, cashing his money in the bank. And for one, who's winning? McIntyre or Goldberg? For two... Miz is talking shit. There's no way he cashes in on Sunday. <laughs> I swear to God, Oldberg fucking wins this. I am actually going to fucking riot. <laughs> the whole of Scotland will riot. I, I, yeah, I think I'd be the same. Oh, I, I genuinely am so scared. <laughs> well, what what I oh. think is going to happen is that McIntyre will beat Goldberg. Miz will try and cash in on uh, McIntyre. And Goldberg will just speed him and Jack hammer him and get some of his heat back and that'll be okay for him. Mm. You know what I mean? You want to hear something um, scarier though? What? There are some reports going around that WWE's actually planning a scary finish to the men's Royal yeah. Rumble match. And a lot of speculation has been that Drew versus Goldberg opens the night. Drew wins. Goldberg enters the Rumble and wins. Grant? <laughs> I mean... Are they are they trying to give me a fucking heart attack? <laughs> like, like the only the, like, I, I think scary finish in Goldberg, and I just think of that fucking match in Saudi with the Undertaker. Exactly. You know, it's that scary finish thing. I don't think has reference to Goldberg. Like I've said in the chat, I think it's going to be that thing where they discussed months ago, similar to what happened with Yano um, at um, Wrestle Kingdom. Number 30 is going to be called, and the last two will have eliminated each other by that point. Um, so number oh. 30, I think number 30 will waltz out and just get to win automatically, and I think that works for a heel. So if they announce them backstage that it's someone... See if they announce them backstage that it's Rollins, who's number 30. I could definitely see that happening. Can you imagine the Messiah waltzing into an empty ring? After everyone's already been taken out, are you fucking kidding me? That would be that would be insane, and I'd actually probably like it. You know, to be uh, honest with you. And Seth Rollins, has, Seth Rollins has won the Rumble before, so he'd be a, a two-time winner and an unpopular choice. Yeah, objectively an unpopular choice. You know, so we play into that. Grant, did you have something to say add there? I would say, like, if if it wasn't Rollins to do that, then I think another one kind of playing into Dave's idea about having like McIntyre in the open. McIntyre and Goldberg open night, McIntyre wins. Miz goes for the cash in, fails his cash in. Cheeky bastard wins the Rumble at 30 by doing nothing. Mm. Can you imagine? 
Oh, can you imagine if it's Miz? Oh, dear. Oh, he has the rubble win and the Money in the Bank briefcase. That is, oh, that'd be outrageous. Again, you could do it with, we talked about Cena, if he turns heel, like coming in. Imagine Cena, waltzing in at 30, black t-shirt, looks at right in the hard cam and just holds up two middle fingers to it and walks out. <laughs> like, that, yeah, like that would be such a good moment. Like, I, like they say scary, I'd love that. Lesnar, I think, could do a Imagine Lesnar, right? Everyone's out the ring. Lesnar strolls in number 30 and starts doing like he's dancing and all that and just like smiling at the camera knowing how much you hate it at home. Rock party. It would be absolutely brilliant. Like he would he would love that as a performer. That's where he thrives like knowing he's annoying people. Like he has such fun with it. You know, so there's a lot of things they could do. One thing I found really impressive Grant this week was Ali and this story that's going on with uh, Woods. Um, Woods gets a win over um, Blackjack Mulligan or whatever the fuck the people in Retribution <laughs> are called. I don't uh, know. Laser. I thought it was Bossack and Teabag. <laughs> so he gets a win over Bossack. Uh, <laughs> formerly known as uh, Shane something. Uh, Shane Thorne. Shane I Thorne, think it yeah. is. Um, he gets the win and Mustafa, uh, Mustafa, sorry, um, cuts the promo on him and he said all this talk of being a king of the ring but you sure look like a peasant now um, and then said send a message to Kofi I found a suitable replacement for the Royal Rumble and it's oh. Ali and Grant they're playing back this story that Kofi Mania only happened because of Ali's injury and I'm all here for it are you? I I think that's an absolute fantastic way to capitalise on a past story and WWE actually doing the long term story for a change rather than just short term yeah Absolutely, stroke, absolute stroke of genius. Yeah, and David resulting a really good match. Former WWE champion in Kingston, really good worker from Ali. That would be a, that's a good WrestleMania encounter if you want to book it. Mm, yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Like you know, Ali back in 2019, you know, he was getting a big, big push to be possibly even a WWE title contender. He even was involved in the WWE title match at Fastlane that year. So it goes mm -hmm. to show like how highly they were, how how highly they regarded him as a performer because. And I'm disappointed he never got to hold the cruiserweight title because yeah. I think he could have led 205 Live if it wasn't Cedric that was doing it. Uh, but the one thing that Ali was lacking was a, a really good character. And now that I think he's finally found one where he's able to just grab a mic and literally vent frustrations from past stories. He even referred to like when he was revealed as the leader, he revealed he was the anonymous hacker that was playing yeah. Backdown, which didn't have a payoff. Like this, yeah. this is the kind of thing that people like. They like consistency. They like uh, continuity. Like mm. stuff that refers back to past stories and they think, oh yeah, I remember that. That Was that him? Definitely. Like that yeah. That gives more investment into a character. And But it's just a shame, you know, the, retri the rest of Retribution is basically holding them down a little bit. It's, it's shame and not, I think, you know, Retribution needed a, a centerpiece and needed a leader. I said it for the start, I thought it was going to be Champa. You know, I was happy when it was Ali, because they need someone like that. And I think finally, since he, they were they were at damage control when he finally entered, right? Mm. And I think he's slowly but surely righted that ship with his promo work and his delivery and how interesting and captivating a character he's been. So I'm now interested to see where, not necessarily Retribution go, but where Ali goes. Can you, you imagine know, where the character can you progresses? Can you imagine if Miz was the leader of Retribution? I mean, uh -oh. what a concept. It's in the oh, eyes. It's in the eyes if you look at the mask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you, look really hard, if you look really hard, you can see the Miz's <laughs> eyes. 
enough, boys. <laughs> All right, calm down. Are you going in the naughty step? Um, <laughs> another thing, I just wanted to sing some praises uh, to the Hurt Business. Um, those guys have been great, and they've been teasing this breakup thing. It's been really nuanced, really done well. I think it's reinvigorated careers, the Hurt Business. You know, and that's what those stables should do. They should be boosting the talent that's within them and you know not hindering them in any way like we've seen with retribution at the start that heart business has been the antithesis of that you know they have really raised the stock of everyone within that faction and i look forward to seeing what all of them will do, uh, do going forward i think it'll be very interesting but one thing that was also very interesting very interesting indeed was the announcement that was made by the rated r superstar this week Edge will be entering into the Royal Rumble match. Dave, is Edge a contender? Now that he's announced his entry, possibly. But I think it's still a bit of a, a bit of a stretch to have him have him win because if they were gonna plan a rematch for him between him and Randy Orton, mm. I think it would have been likely that Randy Orton would have won the title by now. And I think it's difficult to place him on the road to WrestleMania where he could regain the WWE title because he's still mm. sort of embroiled in this feud with Alexa Bliss yeah. and Fiend. So I'm not really sure if they're going to go with the Edge Orton match at WrestleMania now, given that it was proposed last year. But, you know, he's a, he's a legend of the business. He's a Hall of Famer. If anything, he could still use the Royal Rumble to put over uh, another superstar. I, since he cut this promo, I've been more and more convinced that he's winning it. Because Grant, he brings up, you talk about long-term storytelling, he brings up the fact that he wants to take back it and something he never lost. You know, he was world champion when he retired. Could we see Edge go against McIntyre? And if so, would you like to see a return of the true, I say, don't say this is a criticism, but the true rated R superstar? You know, the bastard I grew up watching when I was weak, you know what I mean? Do you want to see a return of that guy? I I want to see, like, Edge being a complete dickhead again. That's that's what he was best at. And, you know, I think I was talking to a few of my friends about this and one of them made a very good point. When you're someone like Edge and you come back with that kind of bigger deal and everything like that, you're not there just to be a placeholder. You want a belt. You want to be a title contender. It's not just for shits and giggles. Yeah. Um, especially after everything we went through. So... If if he gets if he was to go for like one of the two big belts at Mania, I would not be unhappy with him going for either McIntyre or Reigns. Um, yeah. I think either I think either one would be a great match. Like him and Reigns, it would be essentially a battle mm. of the spears. And they um, did have that. They did have a face off at last year's Rumble as well. I think now that you've said it out loud, you know, if, if Edge stays as a face character, it would be great if he went up against Roman. Yeah, that's my thought nice. if, he, if he's a face Roman if he's a heel Drew mm. either one I would not complain about him taking the belt off either one of them because I think it could be done fantastically nice nice I like it and if not Drew I could see him against the Rollins type character you know what I mean um, so we'll see we'll see how things go see how things go but it's interesting last thing of the night Rollins title match Asuka versus Bliss what is going on with Alexa Bliss is the question and it's a very interesting question to me I have a th- I have a hack theory that I believe the fiend is possessing Alexa Bliss 
like it's actually been Bray Wyatt controlling Bliss you know, this whole time and competing, you know, as Alexa Bliss. And that's why, you know, when we got that moment where, you know, she became the goddess briefly in this match, like she didn't seem to know what was going on and she seemed really confused because she can't remember anything, mm-hmm. you know, because she has been possessed by this spirit. Perhaps it's Bray, perhaps it's, dare I say, Abigail, you know? Um, I'm, so- absolutely, I'm absolutely loving it. I mean, to me, it's, it plays into the whole thing where every person that the fiend comes into contact with changes. Rollins changed from a face to a heel. All that sort of stuff. And Alexa's character work has really, really carried this incredibly well. Like, she's got the look down perfect. She's got the mannerisms, like the whole Alexa's playground. That It's brilliant. It's so fun. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really been... A, f- a breath of fresh air, mm-hmm. you know, seeing Bliss like this and, and seeing her back in the, the main event scene. Because, Dave, the one thing we were critical of in the Alexa Bliss show was there was a point where she was relegated to the tag team scene. And we know that mm-hmm. Bliss is too strong a character to be out of the, the top tier of the women's division for too long. Mm-hmm. Now, she's much better as a heel character, as we've seen. You know, she that's how she became a five time women's champion. And Little Miss Bliss, you know, the, the goddess was one of the best heel characters on on either brand. And I mean, teaming with Nikki Cross wasn't necessarily a bad thing because, you know, it it sort of made you think, you know, was how long was it going to be before she turned on Nikki? And then those two would have a rivalry, but they ended up just growing into a a decent tag team, like a face tag team as well. So seeing this new dimension where she sort of converts back to a a heel character, but in some, to an extent, not under her own power, it, it, presents a really interesting dynamic and it still keeps the Fiend's presence around even though he's physically not there. Yeah, and she's been touted as now a favourite for the Rumble uh, on Sunday. Personally, what I'm thinking is I think that Orton will throw her out of the Women's Rumble and either her or Bray will throw Orton out of the men's. You know, I I just Mm. think there's no way that Randy Orton, the vengeful son of a bitch that he is, allows Alexa Bliss to go all the way and win that Royal Rumble match. You know, what if that happens. What if she has one of those moments like she did this week where she actually converts back to the goddess and then in, in amidst all the confusion, she's like, oh, what's going on? Uh, somebody catches her off guard and then throws it out. Could be. Could be. I mean, I that, sounds like, that sounds like a simpler option, you know, to know that, you know, this possession gimmick, you know, it's still, that's probably the direction they could go with this. It is, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, what do you think's going to happen? Tweet us, you know, Facebook us, Instagram us. Do anything. You know, Bebo. Um, it's all there Um, we will be back next week uh, with more uh, from us at ESR Central we will be back on Saturday Draft Live as the season ends at the Royal Rumble there's a lot going on Uh, both of these men will be on there Uh, so firstly I'd like to thank Dave thank you for joining me today thank you for hosting GOAT and Grant good luck this Sunday uh, as we end our purgatory battle heading into the Rumble oh it's going to go right down to the wire it's all going to come down to how big a lead can I keep going into the weekend because you've got the Royal Rumble contenders I've got them everywhere else so yeah that'll be interesting that'll be interesting but guys thank you very much for tuning in until next time see you later on there now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.